This is the Three Skeevers Podcast. All right, episode 37 of the Three Skeevers Podcast with Grim from Grim Forge Gaming and myself, Icy, with Icy Fire Gaming. How are you doing, Grim? Hey, I'm doing well. <laughs> well, that was a little different from the norm, but that's all right. <laughs> so today we have Nephis QS in studio. How are you doing, man? Good. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah, always a pleasure to have a special guest come every once in a while. It's pretty good. So to start things off, as the last couple episodes, I've always been talking about companions, and they're so much fun. And I want to ask Nephis some companion stuff so i don't know if you've been using them a lot but do you think because i'm finding when and when i'm trying to put together a companion build or not even a companion build but i've just defaulted mostly to running quickened on everything are you finding that same problem as well where quickened is seems to be like the best all-around trade or are you finding like the other traits like shattering or augmented or whatever the you know the whatever the remaining traits are are you kind of varying between those or what's your opinion on the whole trait system with the companions and stuff uh quicken is definitely a strong trait simply because that they actually do have cooldowns i've tried out other combinations like uh the one that gives you ultimate generation i found that pretty great otherwise for like straight up damage um i i found the uh, just damage done modifier traits to be uh as effective as quick and if not more at times so and for that for those pieces that are different from quickened are you just running it like on say jewelry and weapons or what's kind of like your layout uh it's uh, for for the damage done modifier i can't think of the trait stone off my at the top of my head. I think it's aggressive. Yeah, aggressive. Uh that's on everything as much as possible. For the ultimate generation, uh prolific, yeah. Uh that's like on most pieces. Uh I think too many putting in all all the pieces is a bit too much for that trait. Oh, okay. So you're I think it's Six, so they got seven armor pieces, three jewelry, and one weapon. So you're actually running a lot of, I guess, like, would you say like five and four? Or not five and four, um, 11 pieces, so like six and five or something like that? Between yeah, those something trades. like that. Yeah. Oh, okay, interesting. And no quickened? Uh, I've tried quickened. It's it's okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's good. Um, I just haven't used it really on live. I've tested on PTS. But yeah, I, I prefer um, prolific overall for Miri and augmented for Bastion. Interesting. Okay. Or yeah, aggressive. Cause, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, I, I don't know, man. Like, I used to play League of Legends back in the day, and with the Earth mode Ultra Rapid Fire, where you have no resource cost and you have eighty percent cooldown reduction, I'm a big fan of having being able to cast your abilities really fast or as often as you can. So I kind of like having them spam their abilities as often. Right. Just to satisfy that, uh, that urge, I think. But, um, you guys want to talk about the combat preview first? Yeah. Yeah, sure. I'd like to note on air too. I said this off air, but doesn't Nephis have the most amazing voice ever? <laughs> I don't know about that one. <laughs> <laughs> he really does. <laughs> Made for radio, for sure. 
It, it is very deep. I'll say that. <laughs> That's what people will say all the time. I just don't hear it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, what do you got, Icy? So instead of reading out the whole thing, I'm just going to summarize it, but I guess we can just you know break it down paragraph by paragraph or whatever. But the first thing they talk about is the time to kill. And I guess my summary is they feel like it's the time to kill is too low because damage is so high and there's not enough defensive power for everybody. And then in response, they're giving everyone additional 10% more damage mitigation. So that battle spare passive is going to go from 50% to 60%. What do you, how do you guys feel about that? You can go first, Nepis. Sure. Um, I think I said this off air. Uh, that's definitely one of the at least two solutions I can think of in terms of uh, increasing the TTK or time to kill is what they call it. And I like that they're doing this with Battle Spirit even more. I think in the recent few patches we've seen, they started playing around with Battle Spirit a lot more than in, in the past. Uh, whereas compared to the past, they would change a lot of things and that would adversely affect either PvP or PvE. And I think uh, just kind of doing this with Battlespirit now is a better choice than say, uh, oh, let's nerf this set or let's nerf CP across the board for PvP because it, because that's the hard thing about ESO, really uh, balancing PvP and PvE at the same time. It's almost an impossible task in my opinion. So I think uh, overall positive, positive change. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. I think it's a great use of the Battle Spirit passive that uh, I think, and on a side note, and everybody knows this that listens regularly, that they should have probably balanced or scaled uh, proc sets through the Battle Spirit passive as well. And uh, in that moment, you don't, like you were saying, you don't affect the PvE community whatsoever. It's just a throttle on proc sets when you come into a PvP environment. But anyways, I love the way they use the Battle Spirit passive to do that. And at the end of the day, if it's not enough, they could just hop into the Battle Spirit passive and make it 15%, you know, or make it another 20% on top right. of that. And so it's great. I think that's, that's smart. I really like the way that they're doing that. And time to kill is, damage is so high right now. Um, so, and I think that we were just talking about this, but they need to address specific abilities. Um, I just told them a story off air how I was a solo player and I got bombed uh, in Cyrodiil by a, a bomber. And the initial explosion was a 20k hit, then there was a 9k sap essence, and then there was a um, so the uh, um, it was like 29 and 9. And there was zero counterplay to it. And so I don't know that just a flat extra 10% damage mitigation is going to, that's only going to take 2K off the 20K. <laughs> I'm, I'm still going to be dead, you know? So they need to probably look at that situation, maybe make it to where when you hit prox debt, you can't actually go stealth. I don't know. That might break the whole that would break that whole meta altogether, but there's there's something there. Or take away the 300 weapon damage coming from a stealth uh, from the shadows, or make it to where they can't hit their uh, vampire seething fury or something to that effect. I don't know, but yeah, I love it. I'm for it. What's your thoughts, Icy? So, in terms of bombing, 
I guess I you know I mostly play PvP supports and things like that, so I'm always on the defensive anyway. But in terms of the nightblade bombing thing you were just talking about, should there be? Because you know it's a it's a bomb, right? Like you're you're getting nuked from 100 to zero. Should there be? An, should you be able to just drop almost instantly, or sh like what should the the what's the appropriate counterplay for something like that? Is it just like the visual the missile that you see on its way about to hit you and if it hits you then you blow up like what what should, what i guess what would the counterplay look like in an ideal eso world for, for a nightblade bomber maybe something that's built into the battle spirit passive that if you drop 90 percent of your health within 0.2 seconds that you you know something in the soul tree or the soul magic lines as long as you have a passive something that saves your soul <laughs> you <know>, I, <laughs> I mean i don't know i don't know that their true intent is to have something in the game that has zero counterplay in a pvp realm because if you go to imperial city districts pre um mid-year mayhem there are literally 20-man groups of nightblades running around because there's damage is so high and there's zero counterplay they're nuking people straight from stealth and then gone right and so i don't know that they want to steer the next generation gen not gen x but whatever the next generation of new coming pvpers towards nightblades just because there's zero counterplay and you know it's a fun class to play and kill people and never die or whatever so i don't know that's my thoughts on it. what about you nephis uh, going back to what you said earlier about uh, perhaps looking at the damage toolkit of a bomber, and I, this is kind of what I was referring to with one of the other solutions I brought up that I would do personally. Um, a lot of people have pointed to the item set mechanical acuity as a problem, mm -hmm. which which enables you know bombers to guarantee crit damage on groups. But personally, I don't think mechanical acuity is a problem. It's just kind of the mechanism to carry out the bombing i think what's an issue for sure as you mentioned is gonna be uh proximity detonation and it's i don't know if you remember back in the old days where everybody ran proxy even in 1v1s people ran yeah. proxy i think we kind of approached that point again with this skill especially after the fact they uncapped it so uh for sure i would say they probably need to look at proxy um, first and foremost, along with uh, looking at maybe, as we maybe mentioned, a couple other things uh, that are related to stealth, like w the weapon damage uh, or weapon and spell damage from stealth. But yeah, yeah. Um, otherwise, in terms of counterplay against bombers, I'd say, yeah, yeah, you're mostly correct and you can't really counterplay against it, right? I, I think the only counterplay you can do is always anticipate it. And I've noticed that kind of helped helped me a lot during this past mid year. Just always, always, always thinking, okay, I'm here on this flag, or there's a group over there. There's probably a bomber. And nine times out of ten, I was always right, <laughs> and I would yeah. I would live. But that's not really counterplay. I think that's just kind of like I don't know, right place, right time. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, yeah. I think that's interesting. The, the the whole thing you know if you think back two three patches ago i 90 percent of my time is spent pvping uh the other 10 percent is just getting the gear to pvp uh, mm. for new, new builds but 
it used to be if you're fighting somebody and you got a good 1v1 going um or you've just a fir a first initiate a fight with somebody and they fire up prox debt you laugh and you're like really you're gonna bomb me oh no <laughs> you know because it just didn't carry the pop right you know that it does now now when you're fighting somebody and they fire up prox debt you're like get away from me <laughs> like i gotta get out of here so it's funny how the you know things have changed with prox debt yeah and i think the whole thing with proxy has always been kind of complicated i i definitely don't think it should be something capable of solo bombing someone just one person i yeah. think it should still be used against uh, larger groups yeah. but then we have this history of when you know zas tries to implement things like this it's usually the larger groups that end up utilizing these skills that are supposed to bust the zergs or potentially ball groups right Mm -hmm. So it's a, it's a tricky one, and I'm kind of curious if they're going to do anything with the skill potentially in update 31. Yeah, you know they have other things that do checks to see how many other people in your group or have like uh, let's uh, take ring of the pale order. Pale order, right? Yeah. So for every person in your group, pale order takes a negative four percent to the healing received. Proxnet should operate in that same fashion because uh, Icy and I were running around. I think we only had like a four-man group. You know, we were just seeing what we could handle as four-man group with damage being as high or five-man group with damage being as high as it is. And there was a group, an EP Fisherman's Guild. Do you remember that group, Icy? Um, They're in the video. Oh, I know that too. group. I know that yeah. group. <laughs> and and th every one of them is ultra tanky. And ultra healy, right? They they they're all running like healing builds, but they're all running prox debt. And all they do is wait until they're ultra ready, and they'd all hit prox, and then they'd just run out into a group, blow them up, and then they'd run back into a building, build ult, <laughs> you know, and go. And it was super successful. Like just in my video clips, I got of me swimming in their group until they fire up prox debt, and me fighting them, or us fighting them. Like they were taking bodies home you know, with that play style. So I think that Proxdet should probably function a little bit like Pale Order, right? Like for every person in your group, as soon as they get that buff, it's not a plus 25% per target. It starts taking a negative effect, minus 4%. So if you want to be a solo bomber and kill those groups, yes, you can do that. You know, you have all the damage available to you. But if you're a large group using those abilities, no, you can't. So. Hmm. Yeah, that, that that'd be interesting to see. I wonder if they can do that with skills, though. Considering Ring of the Pale yeah. Order, it's kind of unique. I, I don't think they have ever really done that with a set ever before. Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought too when I saw that. I was like, yeah. interesting. Yeah, it's pretty yeah. cool they can do that now, or maybe not now, or maybe they've always been able to do it. Not sure. Yeah, do we even know so... if it's working? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's definitely working. It's definitely working. <laughs> right. Uh, I don't know. So that's my kind of thoughts on that. Like the no counterplay with the bombing situation right now. And mm. uh, I, I like the way that they use the battle spirit passive for sure. Oh, yeah. What awesome. Else you got? So the next thing that they talked about in that combat preview was the stealth with all the. I think we all know like there's a lot of inconsistencies around stealth. And it looks like they're finally going to be addressing it by standardizing things like what should and should not break you out of it what do you guys think about that i mean for me personally i just like i just like the fact that 
they are putting structure around things that should have kind of already been there where, okay, these are the things that break it out. These are the things that do not. All that standardization, I'm all for it. Love it. And I think maybe that's just the engineer in me. But what do, what do you guys think about that? I think uh, the, the whole thing with standardization recently, uh, since I think 2019, it's great. I feel like the focus of the combat team sort of shifted drastically when uh, Robo was, I think, still the combat lead uh, developer. And now uh, I, I believe uh, Brian Wheeler is now the combat lead. And the fact that they're standardizing everything like this, it's pretty nice. I know a lot of players don't like it, but uh, you got to have some sort of, I feel like, base foundation, a consistent foundation to kind of like start building on top of it. And things like, you know, class changes or uh, even, uh, you know, potential new skill lines or potentially new classes. Uh, for stealth, I think this is great. Uh, the only worry I have, I think, and they talk about it, is also the counterplay against stealth. So I'm just kind of curious how this is gonna, this is all going to pan out. Yeah, I wish they gave some examples because I know they said, you know, I guess they were kind of generalizing with like say direct damage attacks and stuff like that. But I wish they kind of just listed some abilities, for example, so we could all really understand. Cause I know since they changed the CP system, um, I think there were a lot of places out there that maybe like ESO, ESO skill book. I'm not even sure if that place is updated yet, but they would say, they would, you know, say, we'll, we'll put wall of elements, right. And then it'll tell you, Hey, these are the champion skills that, actually buff this ability these are the mm -hmm. things that do not so i, I wish they kind of had that in game so that we would know hey this is a direct damage attack or this would benefit from your thing that type mm -hmm. of stuff yeah they can definitely do better with, uh with things like that uh as, you know with the, there's always been so much information missing from the base game it's kind of bad uh especially for console players without add-ons right oh yeah 100 percent um, even with even with the old CP or what they call CP 1.0, like how can you know that there were jump points? You know, people have to test all this. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, definitely agree with you that they should have more um, info in the game. And I feel like they're getting there too, but oh yeah, yes, you know, baby steps, baby steps. Yep, yep. Uh, what do you think, Grim, for stealth? Um, I think it's interesting. So before the way cloak was working was if you hit cloak. And you had dots on you, it would suppress the damage altogether. Um, Nightblades, for the most part, don't have the strongest healing kit. Uh, Stand blades don't have the strongest healing kit in most cases. They're usually going to run vigor and they're going to run rally. And then if they can hit siphoning strikes, but requires them to do damage, right? Light or heavy attacks for some healing. So it's only going to be vigor or rally. And both of those are uh, rally might be an option from stealth and it won't break them out of stealth to get some health in. But what I think will happen is you're going to be able to dot down night blades. They're not suppressing that damage whatsoever. Now, when they go into stealth, they're still eating it. And so it used to be before that we have to keep this night blade from getting back into stealth keep them exposed so we can kill them now it's going to be the first opener might be a stun on them or something but make sure you get your dots on them so there's pressure on them even when they cloak and 
So that might be a real problem for them. If I think about me playing as a night blade and I get four or five dots on me before I could suppress it all together. Now I'm not going to be able to, and I'm eating that damage the longer I'm taking to reposition and restart the fight or whatever. So that might be a thing. I definitely think they need to revisit um, Evil Hunter and the abilities um to pull night blades out of stealth like flare i feel like flare has a it's really wonky and goofy to use but it has a larger radius i wish that evil hunter and all the ways to pull people out of stealth had a range of say caltrops the same that same range mm. if you were to you know make that type of range on exposing people from stealth that would help out immensely because you even said it in your last video that you basically got to be standing on top of a night blade to use evil hunter or camo hunter to pull yeah. them out of stealth and the, then there's even no guarantee you know so right. yeah so honestly I, I i think caltrops would be a little bit too much but i think radiant mage light is the perfect uh perfect range on an ability that can reveal stealth units so if we just bump up Camel Hunter from two meters to six meters, same as Radiant Mage Light, I think we'd be good to go. Yeah, because you do find a lot of night blades with your Radiant Mage Light. Oh yeah, ten. I don't want to say ten times out of ten, but you know, whenever somebody stalls in front of me, I just switch to my back bar, hit Mage Light, and then I can find the guy in the next like second or two, and we're good. Yeah. Just but, in time for the bomb to go off. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> We're like, oh, there he is, dead. Yeah, I, I reveal him. I'm like, oh, sorry, you were busy doing something? No, go ahead. <laughs> I'll just hold block and go over here. Yeah, yeah. What's your thoughts on that? I know that uh, that you talked about that in your video. So, In regards to revealing skills? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I agree with you. I think they should definitely make some of these skills are a bit more consistent like as you said expert hunter like it's just really annoying when you're chasing someone you're all right on top of them and you cast it but you waste them and they're not there or they are there but you can't reveal them um i'm actually kind of curious about uh, what you said earlier with the uh, suppression of dots versus not suppression of dots uh in cloak as a knife blade isn't that kind of like a i guess a I suppose of, well, <laughs> of them. Right. Well, I, I guess, isn't that sort of a kind of counterplay mechanism against, like, gankers or bombers, really? Um, the fact that they can't... Like, they trade off so much survivability right now, as is they do yeah. divi all divine, shadow, mundus. Um, they're really squishy, but they can still get away in cloak, even with dots, like, dots on them. Isn't that a, kind of a good thing that, in your opinion, maybe, maybe not? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That they can't if, suppress dots? Yeah, if you're putting yourself in the Nightblade position, think of the difficulties you're going to have now that you have to eat that dot damage, you know? There is no suppressing it, and now you have to reassess your healing kit, and your healing kit's not really set up to heal, <laughs> you know, the way right. a Stam Crow is. And so I think it's going to be problematic. Um and so when you're looking at the two sides of the coin, Nightblades won't like that. Um, and if they haven't thought about that yet, the second they start experiencing it, they're going to say, this is crap. <laughs> you know, like, I'm mm. taking so much dot damage and there's nothing I can do. You know, one of my heals will pull me out of stealth, which is Vigor. 
and the other one is pretty darn expensive rally so uh, and rally's not going to get it done if you've got you know a stam stam dk that just put venomous claw on you and noxious breath so just those two dots are going to be an immense amount of pressure so do you think this will maybe push players to go with the other morph more uh shadow cloak or dark oh, cloak, yeah. sorry yeah, dark, yeah. Yep. i think that's already a very strong option for stam blades yeah. I think they need to adjust the scaling on Dark Cloak because I actually am running Dark Cloak on Black Panther. I've run mm -hmm. it on Ronin. I've run it on a handful of my builds. And even at 30k health, the um, tooltip or the actual heal that is coming in is significantly less than Vigor. It mm. is by far the subpar healing option for me. And so they would almost need to double the heal on it to make it viable on those type of builds. And I'm I'm probably at 5k, 6k weapon damage on those guys, you know. Um, so I know that weapon damage scale doesn't come into play with that because that heal is based off max health. So I don't know. I it feels like a subpar heal for sure, though. I can say that they they need to increase it. Okay. Yeah, I like that play style too. That's what I was aiming for on Black Panther was a was using Dark Cloak over you know shadowy disguise. Uh, so like a sort of brawler, more brawler kind of build, yeah. rather than sneaky build. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think I've been seeing a lot more of those recently, and they they're running like thirty six thousand health, <laughs> which is yeah. kind of, and they still have so much damage. It's kind of insane. Yeah, I have a build, actually. I'm going to be doing a video on it. This is sneak pit, tidbit here, but it's um, 36. It could, you could have 40k health, no problem, and it has 8k Jeez. weapon damage. So, wow. Okay. Yeah. Oh, was that the build that you're supposed to keep a secret and not tell anybody? That's the build, that's the build that I'm supposed to keep to uh, keep secret and not tell anybody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Whoops>. <laughs> Yeah. So I didn't yeah, say that, when we're releasing the video. <laughs> yeah, 2021. <laughs> 2022. Oh, uh, 2022. Yeah, my bad. <laughs> cool. All right. So the next thing they were talking about. So this is probably more for Nephis, uh, not so much Ugrim, because uh, I think it's more of a PVE type thing. But mm -hmm. the prismatic enchant changes. So they're, I think, with the prismatic theme of being, you know, stamina magicka and health you know with the defense glyph we get max stats for the armor and for the jewelry we get recoveries so what they're going to do now is change it change the weapon glyph for that to restore magicka stamina and health right. to your resources which sounds pretty cool but I think right now it's called Prismatic Onslaught, which will mm -hmm. give you bonus damage to Undead and Daedra. And I think for my when I do PVE content, I'm I'm in like a very optimized group and stuff. So my guys, they will change out. Like if we're coming across a, like a Harvester boss or whatever, right. they will swap out their current weapon to another to the same weapon, but with the enchant on it, just for that top tier extra dps optimization so i feel like that type of change is only going to affect the one percent of the one percent players who actually care about this stuff but um i do like the change that they're doing but my question to you is do you think they should reintroduce like a new potency rune or whatever type of rune it is that will still give us that onslaught enchant 
Ooh, okay, well that's a pretty loaded question. Um, well, <laughs> because, <laughs> because if they if they go through with this change, then the, what's the replacement for that? Right? I think it's right, just there's gonna, no it, real replacement. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Go on. Oh, no, that was it. Yeah. So, oh, okay. Well, uh, I'm gonna try to break this down as quickly as I can. So <laughs> hey, we we got plenty of time, man. Oh, okay, 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 okay. So the prismatic onslaught change, uh, they are changing it. And they cited it here, I believe, because of performance issues. I think they said that it was constantly like checking itself against like massive lists, uh, sort of like how you know uh, when they did the global cooldown test in Cyrodiil, like how certain skills check uh, for a lot of things, like who's near you, uh, how many people are near you, stuff like that. So, in terms of like for performance fix or something like that. I agree with it. I mean, it's it sucks, like you said, um, for people who optimized for damage in trials or even dungeons. Um, I wouldn't say it's just uh, like one percent of one percent. I'd say a lot of people, uh, a lot of groups do it on uh, Rakat. They do it in Rocker of the New Trial. They do it in Kind's Ages. They do it in Ethereum Archive, uh, Hell Ra, um, and a few other uh, four main content. I don't, of course, I, oh, no one likes it. I think this is probably going to be the most unpopular change with update 31, or at least with the combat preview. Um, I don't like the other alternative, which is try resource. I see that more as a, of a more PvP option or maybe a tank option, but I don't think one handed prismatic uh, resource enchants will really be a thing. It has to be a, you know, the two handed weapon to get the most out of it. Um, I actually, I can, I can say this. I actually asked Finn, uh, the the uh, lead instance, uh, the, the encounter designer or PVE designer, combat dev, or not combat dev, <laughs> PVE uh, dev about this because I'll, my only worry about this is, like you said, there's no replacement for it. It's not an insignificant source of damage for a lot of groups, especially for the new uh, trial right now, Rocker, which more than fifty percent of it is Daedric. Um, and I asked him, you know. This is fine, I guess, but like, will there be adjustments made to Rock Groove or Kind's Ages in terms of like boss health or you know mechanic uh, adds stuff like that? Because I'm sure they probably took Prismatic Onslaught into account when they made those values. And his answer was, you know, we'll just basically you know monitor it for now. <laughs> I, I, I love I love those responses. Yeah. I mean, well, that's that's fair, I guess. Like, will groups have enough damage to get the speed run or the trifecta stuff like that in the in the content? Um, for kinds ages, I don't think it'll matter. It's a it's a pretty fast trial for Rock Groove. It might matter, so we'll we'll see. That's the only worry I have, though. In regards to prismatic onslaught, there's a pro. Uh, you you kind of mentioned it in passing. The only pro here is people don't will not swap weapons as much as before. Right now, you have PvE DPS or magic. Let's say just magic DPS. They have three uh, Maelstrom st st uh, staves right now. They have one for trash, like Berserker enchant or cleave. They have one with poison or fire for single target. That's not Daedric, and they have one with prismatic. So, in terms of like inventory issue or maybe like uh, so, you know like swapping inventory or gear, that that's a pro. Which <laughs> that's pretty much it. That's the only silver lining I can see. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, that's those are that's pretty much my thoughts on on this. Yeah. So, uh, go ahead, Grim. 
How many trials currently can be, if you carry enough DPS, you have enough, you bring enough heat, how many trials currently can you bypass mechanics, key mechanics, if you've got enough damage, would you say? Uh... Oh boy, um, all of them. Okay, so kind of. <laughs> yeah, all of them except maybe some parts of Rock Group. That's about it. Yeah, so this kind of changes that a little bit. I don't know that it's kind is of. It, is it so much damage that it's you know lost that it's going to prevent people from hitting that threshold, whatever that tipping point is, where you can avoid certain mechanics, or should that not even be in the game? You shouldn't be able to avoid trial mechanics. Oh man, that's that's a huge huge discussion. <laughs> yeah. Um oh, keep in mind, keep in mind I'm a dumb PvPer, so I'm asking <laughs> something. I literally I've done probably ten trials total since the game's launched and they're fun, but in half of them, more than half of them we were able to bypass the mechanics and I was like, dang it, I wanted to see what this was oh, yeah. all about, you know. So um, yeah. So real quick uh, before you go, Nefis, I, I will say, Grim, that I think when I guess just thinking about it logically, when they design levels and things like that, I think they're just kind of basing it on basing it around the normal uh, normal player that type of thing who can just average this amount of DPS. But I think what they don't account for, or I mean, which would be kind of impossible, is that people will actually improve and get better and then discover things in the game that you never even thought of or you can even do yourself as like a developer with like trying to like even even trying to achieve things like 100k dps whatever or you know the you know light attacking to such a high level that you can hit those really high numbers and then because you're hitting those numbers as a group now you're skipping things that were were inconceivable so yeah. and then i guess the question is now how many people, how much of the player base is actually at that level, and then should we adjust the game because that is now the new standard where everyone yeah. is just so good at the game, we're going to have to just start buffing these dungeons because people are just going or getting through them too quickly. We should, yeah, you have to account for the power creep at this point because we're there, right? We're at, who knows? Like at one at one point, whatever the highest DPS people were doing, 15k, think um think way back with uh before champion points you know people were doing what 20k 30k and 100k was unimaginable and now we're exceeding 120k some people skinny cheeks has builds out with for that so i remember when we were doing sorry go on sorry go ahead yeah oh i remember when we were doing 1.5k back in the day <laughs> and we were we were so <laughs> We were so proud of it. And then, uh, you know, the next patch, someone hit 5K. And like, oh, man, how do you hit 5K? And yeah. then a few patches after that, oh, 15K, 20K, 30K. Just kept going and going. <laughs> right. So, the, so that changes the way. That should change the way the PVE trials team looks at it. We have to put in um, brakes, brake pumps, or something that throttles that... You know, hey, if you want to carry that much speed, you're just going to overlap these mechanics, mm. and well, it becomes near impossible. I I so. will say because I do, you know, for for my particular four man group, we hate that so much because 
you know, um, I think in Moongrave Fane, right, for that gargoyle boss that mm, you know, yes, you know, yes. does the ground pound, or I think he, he just goes invisible, or he turns to a statue and then the lava thing comes up. We ha- I, we hate that so much because it forces us to have to just wait through the mechanic mm-hmm. and then do the thing, and then and then maybe we'll go we'll do like two light attacks and then he goes back into the thing again and we have to wait another 10 15 seconds like those those throttles well i i think it comes down let me just summarize this why are we being punished for taking the time to practice get really good at the game what why should we be punished because of that yeah that that, that's definitely a valid perspective it's like yeah for sure yeah, that's just my summary of it. Yeah. Um, no, go on. Sorry. Oh, I mean, I think because when you're when you're when you take the time to hit do the target dummy to right. really optimize and you know really hone in your skills, you should be rewarded. And in some cases, being able to clear the first boss in what's that freaking Moon Hunter Keep in ten seconds, that that's a huge accomplishment. Because you bypass mm-hmm. all the mechanics, being able to kill that guy so quick. Otherwise, it's kind of a pain in the butt, you know. But I, I don't know why we would need to be punished with things like that that are throttled. Because no, I think majority of the player base, you know, the people who can't hit those numbers, they just do the mechanics and then they're fine. But I don't see why we need to be throttled in that capacity. I think this uh, everything we're we talked about so far is a very it's an incredibly complex uh matter and it, it, it takes we have to take into account a lot of things when we talk about this stuff like uh where most of the players is at um for example like the reason why they kept nerfing white gold tower imperial city prison mm. i think they nerfed it four times now at this point uh it's because most players couldn't complete it uh yeah. for matters regarding uh, dps checks or mechanics that force you to play them i think that's sort of like things like that like what you mentioned with moongrave fane the gargoyle uh like later marslock's also one with uh, a lot of the bosses of uh, Keep. Mm-hmm. i think that's sort of a reflection of kind of the dev team kind of their their internal struggle to kind of address these issues i don't think they have an actual answer except Hey, maybe we can just stop them from DPSing. Um, I don't think it's really. I don't think they view it as punishment. I think they just they're trying to understand an idea of how they can make, I guess, the content uh, like how they want people to play it. Is is my guess. Um, and this 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 also kind of gets into the topic of why are people doing three DPS and one tank for content, um, right? So, and this also gets into the healing rule, like and the nature of the damage in PvE content. What is it? Uh, is it like well, how do you make PvE content hard? Um, and the answer up until I think Stonethorn DLC was one shots right but this also created the problem of if you have one shots why do you need a healer mm-hmm. and i think their answer and i think was the right answer was to make mechanics that uh definitely made you think about bringing a healer like stone garden hardman 
there's a insane damage over time effect on the tank that you would definitely need a healer for for most groups. When Grey Fane Horn Moon, there's healing checks that you would need for most groups. So I think that direction is great. As far as con like also the nature of content, it's also a very complicated issue in this whole matter. Um, like the Craglorn Trials or the older dungeons, even the older DLC dungeons uh, and older content in general, I uh, not sure what to say about the whole skipping the mechanics thing because they are old content and buffing the content is both good and bad, I guess. Because uh, there's still going to be people, it's their first experience with it. Right, if, that's if, the bad if, part. That's the They're, bad part. Right, that's yeah. the bad part. <laughs> so, so it has to be. It has to be stair step. It only is viewed. I see talked about. I don't know why we should be punished. I think you're only viewing as being punished when you have it right now. You have it all right now, and I'm having something taken away from me, and that's the ability to get through that content quick. You know, right. because we de we deserve that. We've got to that point where we can do that type of DPS, and if you change the mechanics and take that it take that option away from us then we're having it taken away so but that was one of my observations like i said i'm a dumb dumb pvp or <laughs> out there doing pv pve doing trials and some of my experiences in these trials you know we just smoke through it so fast and i know it's not because of me i'm out there doing in my pvp gear doing my 25k 30k dps you know like look at me go you know and not at the time not even realizing that other people are doing 80 to 120k <laughs> dps you know right and so um i don't know just a question not trying to take anything away from anyone so uh that that was a bad thing right but the good thing I, or sorry the good thing about potentially buffing content which i don't know if they would do because they are really judging from their past actions they are really always worried about the clear rate whether it's dungeons or trials they they want people to clear they want people to play the content but um at the same time it's kind of created in my opinion maybe my colleagues will disagree with me but this environment in at least the rating scene where uh a lot of players just don't know how to play the mechanics <laughs> when it comes to it, right? Even I'm part of that because when I go into dungeons with, uh, you know, friends or whatever, we skip all the mechanics. When I go in there with, you know, people I don't know or just pugs, I I'm like, this is a mechanic? I've never seen this before. <laughs> I think the best example was when I did that uh, uh, Storm DLC, uh, Castle Dorn on Vet with Gina and uh, Personality and Jessica on the ESO livestream uh, a year ago. Um, and I, like the night before that stream, I did it for the first time with a group of friends. And when I did it the next day on the ESO Live, I was like, I didn't know what to, like, they, they wanted me to, like, tell them what was going on. And I was like, I have no idea what was going on. Because <laughs> the, the, the damage difference is, you know, different. So I, I, that was also my first time kind of seeing the content. So I think there is a problem for sure. Um, was it? The nature of skipping mechanics. Yeah. What, so for the, uh, in Castlethorn, is it the, is it the, I think it's the second boss that's kind of like in that, in the pool area at the bottom? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, okay, you is can that just the one that you're... Them. No, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. every boss, every boss I found, every I boss. saw a new, or at least two, three new mechanics that I would never have seen. With okay, yeah, because um, when when my group we did the uh, trifactor back in I think like October 2020, and you know, just like you're saying, we're smoking through everything, and mm-hmm. then four months later. A, a different group of guys are like, hey, you mind helping us? I was like, yeah, sure. And then I'm dying to things I've never seen before. And they're like, oh yeah, we're gonna we're gonna come up here and like tank the boss. I'm like, why? Just stand in the in the pool area and just kill him when he spawns. And they're like, what? So then we're we, you know, I, I bring them down there because that's how I've always done it. They've never done it. And then we all get smoked. I'm like, I don't yeah. know what's going on now. I'll just do it your way, you know. So yeah. it's uh it's pretty it's pretty pretty interesting. The yeah. perspectives but i had that exact same experience with that boss that's down in the blood pool the vampire that flies and and i was on the eu server trying to farm uh some gear and everybody went down into the pool well we were struggling on clearing trash mobs like i don't <laughs> i don't know what makes them think that we're going to be able to burn that boss so they just all went down there and died <laughs> and and then i'm you know, doing my Rambo, you know, dodging, ducking, and diving, and getting down, rezzing somebody, and then, you know, uh, still dodging, ducking, and diving while they're rezzing the group, and we turn it around, but I'm just like, uh, it was an absolute nightmare, so. But but something that I think everyone should experience, too. Mm, I agree. Know? Oh yeah, and I think that's all part of the natural process, right? When people join the game, you know, you know, they'll they'll go through all the dungeons, experience all the mechanics, and I remember when I first joined, the hardest dungeon that I've ever came across was Depths of Malatar. We couldn't even get past the first boss. And I was like, man, <laughs> this thing's freaking impossible. And then, uh, then I think maybe um, a month or two months later, then I met you, Grim, and then. Uh, you know, several months after that, you're like, "Hey, uh, I need to get some scavenging demise. You want to come with me?" I'm like, "Bro, dude, I'm like, I never beat this dungeon. This dungeon's impossible." And we were doing it on normal, by the way. So then, me and you, we go in there too, man. And you're like, "Oh yeah, just do this. Da 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 da. We're done. We beat the whole dungeon in like you know 30 minutes or whatever. No problem." <laughs> yeah. I'm like, "Bro, I couldn't even beat this with four people like regular." Right. So, oh yeah. man. But you know, this is that was me back in the day when I was a, a red guard temple, uh, a red guard. Magplar, you know, and my main heal was Breath of Life spamming, and I had Sword and Board, and I don't even know what. So, you know, granted, <laughs> I didn't know what I was doing at the time. So, um, but you know, it's all part of the learning process. So, yeah, me neither. I didn't know. I was just like, "Yep, we got this." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're, we're still doing the combat preview. <laughs> right, right. right. 40, 40 minutes later. <laughs> so the, the next thing they were talking about was. Um, Addressing item sets that had record low engagement. Mm-hmm. And um, I'll, I'll go through a couple of the sets here and then we'll talk about them. Sithis Touch, when you use Blade of Woe, you gain Major Berserk for 20 seconds, 20 seconds, which increases your damage done. Their, the direction they want to go in with that is focus on zipping around from successful battles quickly, one after another. Then you got the Nick, uh, Nicholas Heavy Armor. When you block a spell... When you block a spell projectile, you have 25% chance to reflect it back to the enemy, and they want to go towards improve the ability to shrug off incoming attacks. And then you have Crusader, which increases the duration of your dodge window by 0.3 seconds. And they wrote, 
we want something more appropriate of an enabling bruiser. And the last one was Plenial's aptitude. Well, we'll say Plenials for later. But for Sithis, Nicholas, and Crusader, which I think were just three examples of some sets that they wanted to um, tool to you know redesign. What do you what do you guys think about those sets? Well, uh, as as they are now, or with the with the vague with... description of where they want to go with it. Oh well, I actually know what. <laughs> what oh. they, what, yeah, but I can't I can't say. Oh. It, but <laughs> but okay, uh, so we can only speculate. Well, yeah, yeah. I I, I don't know what what would you uh, speculate, Grim? So um. Yeah, I'm sad because I use Crusader on my Mandalorian build, and uh, I really like that. Like I was, I was using an armor set that not a lot of people are aware of. They didn't realize that, you mm -hmm. know, it basically doubles the dodge roll window. And so I show them, you know, in the build, like here's what it looks like. It illuminates a little bit, and uh, here's video, tons of video proof, you know, battlegrounds and whatever. Right. of how it, how it works and people are like holy crap i didn't realize it worked that way and so like i was steering small groups of people that had seen my videos to it really small like two or three people but <laughs> yeah me me being one of them <laughs> yeah you know so i like crusader where it's at and i can still hit over 7k weapon damage on my stamina night blade but i also have that extra dodge roll window so it was working out really well it allowed me to brawl or box a little bit better with people um so but things change you know all things change or all things come to an end so whatever direction they go i'll just assess if that's the new mandalorian build or if we got to change it up so i don't know nice so with sithis touch the way it is now how, how exactly does that work? So if you're wearing the set and you also have, like, the Blade of Woe equipped, I, I've never done any of the Dark Brotherhood content, so I don't even know. So, is is the Blade of Woe, like, it's kind of like a, is it like a master weapon or kind of like a mythic or whatever? No, it's just a passive. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's a, a dark brother. Yeah, it's a Dark Brotherhood guild passive, and you can use it on innocent NPCs. Okay. It's kind of like yeah. feeding as a vampire, right? Except yeah. For go yeah. up or down it's just if you're in position you can activate the blade of woe and assassinate someone yep yeah okay so i guess with sithis touch is it mostly just for i i guess i guess i'm still kind of a little bit confused so probably to help people you... do their gaze of sithis right <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean as it is right now i think it's super bad so like it doesn't make sense how how are you gonna use the blade of woe during combat to get that right. major berserk? I mean, it. I don't know if you guys know this, but uh, I, I think a lot, I'm checking it right now. Even Fextra Life, uh, on their ESO like tooltip for this, they said they say the value of the set is worthless. <laughs> oh my god! So, so with, you know, with you know, what Fextra says it's worthless. It's 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 probably it's worthless. Yeah. <laughs> It's, yeah, it's worth deconning. That's it. <laughs> Damn. Okay. Well, I guess that settles that. Oh yeah. Grim, what do you think about the Nicholas Nicholas heavy armor? Like, what do you what do you think improved the ability to shrug off incoming attacks? To oh. me, that kind of sounds like the Meridia's blessed armor. That you know, when you block an attack, you get um, dot you get a five seconds of dodging all all attacks. 
it, I feel like it's gonna. It sounds like something like that. Yeah, or if they just make it. God, you know how broken it would be if they just they made it for both ranged and melee, right? Hmm. The twenty-five percent. Oh, to reflect it back to an enemy. Yeah, that'd be pretty broken. <laughs> but but I know with ESO they like to be very particular with their wording, and they specifically say improve the ability to shrug off incoming attacks. So it increases your resistances, just makes you more durable. You think? I mean, not not something like Iron Blood, right, where you get that thirty three percent damage mitigation. But I feel like, you know, it's it'd be like a, a child trying to punch like a giant or something like. Eat. Do you notice how quiet Nephis is right now? He's just smiling <laughs> on the other end, saying he's thinking to himself, getting warmer or you're way cold. <laughs> yeah, we don't want to get you in trouble, so you can I'm I'm just vibing over here. Okay, yeah, just vibing good. Cool. Um okay, so I guess that'll cover that. So the last set that they also mentioned was um I think they're gonna re I whatever Plenial's aptitude your spell and weapon damage become the higher of the two values so if your weapon damage was higher then your spell damage will be equal to your weapon damage they want to change this to Plenial's wrath which now focuses on the bloodlust this hero of lore succumbed to in their legacy left in tamriel so when i read that i was like okay this is kind of interesting so i actually went to fudge muppet's channel and typed in Plenial to see you know what what's the backstory behind this and one of the examples that they that they spoke about was oh i equated to i think that the movie troy with brad pitt playing achilles and his cousin pretended to be him and got killed in the battle and then mm. achilles went to um find hector and then challenged him and killed him but for perennial when the person that he cared about because he trained them from the beginning and then when once that person died he just went on a rampaging spree and was killing all elves known to existence at that time and, and several towns over and then you know that was just one of the blood the um blood baths that he was known for so i thought that was pretty interesting but that's just some some lore for anybody who was interested i would go check it out on fudge Mutt's channel but grim what do you think the perennials wrath is going to be now uh, Nephis did a good job talking on his last video, I think, about, so it used to be there was a time where playing as a hybrid was one of the most difficult things to do in the game. We're getting to a point where it's getting easier and easier to do that. That's good. We might see more hybrids in the game because it opens up a whole, um, new wing or a whole new aspect, option, of aspect of the game, absolutely. Um, but if you wanted to be a hybrid previously, you could run Pelinels, but you could also just put Clever Alchemist and New Moon on, or Clever Alchemist and whatever damage buffs, that, or damage weapon armor sets that buff both weapon damage and spell damage simultaneously, and there you go. Um, and another thing I noticed, because I was doing this on Hulk Smash, running clever alchemist and running new moon together um my weapon damage i could buff my weapon damage up and be good 7k weapon damage and my my vigor ticks heal off or scale off of my weapon damage you know and so i had great healing coming in but i could also put a magic attack ability on my bar and 
six, seven K weapon damage is kind of the norm gets it done, but six or seven K spell damage and you're absolutely nuking people. And so I noticed that when I was running six or seven K weapon or spell damage, the tooltips on some of my magic abilities on my stam DK were hitting super hard. And, um, with the changes to CP and stuff, that's even more so the case now. So that's kind of interesting. So I'm interested to see what they do with that because I'm a fan of hybrids and that opening up of new options and play styles. So looking forward to it. Are you allowed to speak on this one, Nefis? Uh, well, I, Caesar, I have to clear my drill. Uh, well, I definitely agree with uh, Grim on Pelinals. Um also in regards to your lore explanation earlier, definitely for sure it's like one of the coolest uh, Elder Scrolls lores out there. Do you know he actually killed all, uh tried to kill all the Khajiits because he thought they were elves? <laughs> yeah, dude. I, dude, when I was listening to their them recounting the story, I was like, bro, this guy's like Hitler, dude. <laughs> he was going after all the Bosmer, the Dunmer. Yeah, and then you know, uh, as you just said, he and then he even killed a bunch of Khajiit by accident. And he was like, oh, my bad. I thought y'all were Altmer, dude. Sorry. And then uh, he just, you know, went on his way. Good Lord, man. So scary. But yeah. Going back to this other stuff, I think, yeah, it's become kind of redundant. I mean, do you guys see the new, uh, this, the preview of the new sets coming out? Uh, it's no. Uh, a lot of them basically have hybrid stat or rather combined stats like we're kind of after as a result of item set standardization uh, that started a couple years ago we're now seeing item sets with values like offensive penetration not no mm. more spell penetration no more physical penetration we, we're seeing weapon and spell damage not just weapon damage right mm. um so i think in that regard yeah polymers is kind of redundant now and i'm definitely excited to see where you can go with this um and speaking of hybrid builds, yeah, I also would love to see more hybrid builds in the game. I think that last hybrid build I really loved, uh, I don't know if you guys remember him, Gothbeard. He he made like a like a Pelinal Werewolf build, which was really mm -hmm. nice back in the time. Yeah, um, I'm starting a new um, a new thing, a new push, and it's it's hashtag Do you even off meta, bro? And so you need to help me push this because we oh, see yeah. a lot of a lot of people that are uh, kind of really humping the meta, you know, and they're out there wearing the most strongest meta, whatever it is, using the most meta rotation in PvP. That's all I'm talking PvP. Mm -hmm. But then you see guys like Malcolm, who is doing a Bobo Nightblade and playing it kind of like a brawler. He's using cloak occasionally but not to gank at all it's not a gank build and he's out there just weaving in and out of his one vx and putting people away and i'm like that's the thing of beauty that's mm -hmm. artwork right there because a to play off meta is difficult you know you have so many people that are trying to flex and i can do this and i can do that or nobody can kill me and it's like you're all wearing the same stuff you're <laughs> yeah. all wearing the meta most same stuff and you're running the same rotations or whatever if you really want to impress me play off meta put some weird stuff on your character and go out there in one vx or go do that stuff so hashtag do you even off meta bro yeah, Grim, oh, when you were telling me about Malcolm's Bobo Nightblade, 
I was mm-hmm. like, okay. So I went to check it out, and dude, I I almost shed a tear watching it, like freaking like Beethoven's like symphony and stuff. Yes. Oh, dude, that was so good. It reminded me of uh, like Grim Hollow and Baker of Cakes, just like taking yes. down a group of people and stuff on their night. But it was actually more of that. I want to see more of that. If you're really good at this game, you know, you're really good at PvP or whatever, and you really want to flex, play off meta. Let, let's see some crazy off meta type builds and different type things. Don't do what everyone else is doing. Do something different. And that will, that's hard. <laughs> that is hard. So that's all I got to say about that. Sorry. So that was kind of it on the combat preview. But for so Nephis, you said that you would like hybrids to be more of a thing. Was that mostly for PvP? Oh, both. Okay, so I don't I can see hybrids being something for PvP. I feel like it makes more sense there, but I don't see it at all becoming a thing in PvE because what, like what 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 kind of we'll say your DPS, right? Your hybrid DPS. Mm. What do you expect your tooltip or not your tooltip? What what like what what it, what should you expect your parse to be? Cuz I feel like if you're I feel like if you're running a stamp, we'll say a you know a stamina DPS and a magic DPS, right? You're hitting 100k. If you're half of that, right? Mm-hmm. If you're a hybrid user, I there's I don't think in any way, shape, or form you should be achieving 100k DPS when you're split down the middle. So like, how would you even quantify? How would you even quantify that? Go ahead. Um, uh, that was it. Yep. Oh, okay. Well, there's two aspects to this. When we talk about PV, like which aspect of PV are we talking about? I guess it's the first aspect. Is it end game? Is it uh, is it trying to be op- as optimum as possible, or do you just want to be viable? I think in terms of viability, um, hybridization would be nice. In terms of optimization, we already kind of see examples of that already. Uh, for example, uh, you know, Vatistra and Hollow score runners on you know Stam DPS. They, you know, pre-buff Destro ultimates. They use Destro, you know, disruption staffs. Um, that's just kind of one little example of what I would like to see in PV. Like, because in the end, like whether you're Stam or Mag, it's to me it's the same. Blue wire, green wire. <laughs> so um, to see people, to see more people think outside the box, or even like try out different skills to you know gain an advantage or it, it potentially even more damage uh would be nice to see in terms of should that happen because you're splitting down the middle um i guess that's kind of up to the devs but yeah I, I think uh there's valid points to this from both sides yeah and i know for me i you know whenever we've brought up hybrids on the podcast you know my question is always is well like what constitutes a hybrid right are you doing physical damage but then your heals are magicka based or you know mm. is it the other way around or you know what 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 exactly make there is there a certain distinction of what class like what would you what would you say is the definitive point of hey you're a hybrid congratulations uh you're using something that isn't a typical to what your spec should be doing I guess, like a stamina templar using destruction staff um, on a ra- on a raid dummy is something uh, you know people don't think about. We've seen that actually 
and they get pretty high prices, 80k, 90k, stuff like that. Especially with the introduction of the VAT, Vatashran staff on the back bar, you know, I see a lot of stamina players. I've seen stam crows running around with VAT staff on their back bar. They, you know. Yeah, and I saw like uh, um, a PEP, I know he used a wrestle staff on his stamina character for mm -hmm. PEP. <laughs> you know, it's, it's stuff like that that makes me go like, oh, this is pretty cool. Um, a lot of people think I don't like that stuff because, uh, like, pe people know me as like an end game raider, and you know, people character. Uh, I, I have this caricature of like people like that or me as oh, I hate anything that's not meta or whatever, or I don't want you to think outside the box. You know, you gotta follow one build. Um, but I think that's pretty cool, um, and I would like to see more of it. Nice. Yeah, and for the record, I'm not hating on hybrids. I'm just asking questions. Oh, yeah, no, no. I don't think you're hating on hybrids. I think you have pretty valid questions, personally. Oh, you heard it there. Endorsed by Nepus. I see Fire Gaming. <laughs> We're, good. We're good. That's all we needed today. Thanks. <laughs> Bye. See you guys next week. I got what we needed. Um, so, yeah, that covers it for the combat preview. Um, uh, you could, you could uh, hand over the uh, questions, Grim. Yeah, um, so we've had a lot of content creators on here, right? There's going to be a lot of a lot of things here. We're going to bounce around a little bit. Prepare yourselves. Off air, we were talking about you are a member of the um, class um, class representative program. Class representative program, and we have a lot of other content creators that are like, "What is that even?" Like we know about it, but it's like this very Willy Wonka, you got a golden ticket in the mail <laughs> thing, and how did that happen, and what is it exactly, and what goes on behind those doors, and so, anyways, what can you tell us about the class rep program? Um, clear the air or, or fill us in on what the class rep program was like, is like, and whatever you can tell us. Okay, sure. I guess I'll start from the beginning. Um, uh, there are there are two generations of class representatives, and the first generation I'm not I'm not in the first. The first generation started on the forums when I, I believe it was Gina, the community uh, one of the community managers, and they were basically interested in um, forming this program where a select group of players uh, who are experienced in the game or knowledgeable at the game. Uh, can forward, I guess, forward, but also, I guess, filter feedback, because you can't really forward all feedback. That, that's too overwhelming. You can't really take every forum person and be like, okay, this is this is what they you know they want you to do, um, or or so I thought. Um, but the first generation was like basically chosen, I think, kind of based on popularity, if I recall correctly, from on the forums. <laughs> Um, and, uh, after, by 2019, you know, there, there was like, there was one scandal with the whole, uh, one of the class reps leaked, uh, you know, under NDA leaked a, uh, the next patch. And it was, that was, that was interesting. <laughs> oh, and, oh yeah. And, uh, I, I think publicly, at least from my perspective at the time, it got really quiet. You know, I mean, that's, you know. Uh, and be before that, speaking of the NDA, I think they they had a lot of back and forth in the early days of the program between the players and the devs, or at least through the class reps, right? Like, they're the messengers. Um, and then they enacted an NDA, 
And this was kind of controversial at the time because people were like, well, now they can't really say anything. They can't communicate anymore with us, right? Uh, to some point, that is true. Now, kind of touch on, I guess, why the NDA is necessary uh, here in a bit. But after that, they got a little quiet. Uh, then it came down to five players being left out of the original 10. Um, and then they were looking for five more two years ago. And they didn't do it via the forums. They actually did it through the website. Like you could email them or apply. You fill out that fill out this application and apply to be a class rep. Like sh tell us your experiences in the game. What what's your what's your what what can you bring to the table? Uh, how much knowledge do you have in the game? And I, I was one of probably hundreds, potentially thousands that applied and I got in with uh four of the other new class reps. Um so the second generation, it would, it's Cab, uh, who's the you know, who's a primarily console player, which was great to see. CC, Reborn Zombie, and Glorious. I think you guys know Glorious. Um, PvP here. How many uh, of them? How many of them are content creators? Well, uh, I'd say so. It's me. Okay, so Outcast. Well, it's just me and Outcast at the moment, creating content regularly. Fear Turbo. Used to be an ESO content creator. Now he's he's not he doesn't he's not really making content for ESO anymore. But he's he's still playing ESO. He actually raised with me on my raid team. Um, and Maisel puts out occasional videos on what he thinks ESO can improve on. That's pretty much it. Everybody else are not content creators, I guess, by that definition. Gotcha. Sorry. Right. No, no, no go on. No, it's fine. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I got in and. Uh, Uh, going back to the NDA, of course, I decided an NDA. I can't really, like I said, off off, off air. Um, I can't really s tell you guys what they tell us without, unless they give me permission. There are times when uh, players need clarification on certain things, and I I'll go to them and ask, "Hey, can what what's going on here?" And they'll be like, "Oh, this is what's going on." And I'm like, "Can I can I tell them?" It'll either be yes or no, and from that point on, you know, I can relate to the players. But yeah, going um, on the topic of like. I guess the obscurity or the mysteriousness of the program it's uh yeah i guess the nda has a lot to do with that or rather uh how much we can relay from the devs um a lot of people think the classroom program i i think it's kind of a misnomer at this point as well it's more of a combat represented program because it's not the original iteration was focused on hey represent your class you mean so there was a you know, rep for Stam sort. There was a rep for Max sort. There was a rep for stuff like that. But now it's it's not like that anymore because everyone on the um, program knows pretty much every class and is knowledgeable about the game. Um, but going back to the uh, what what is it? Oh my god, I'm, I'm, I just lost my train of thought. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so the NDA. So there's a yeah, it, it kind of definitely did kill the public image of the class reps in that a lot of people think it's dead. It's not, it's not there anymore. Um, or that it's useless. Um, there's a lot of theories from players I see where, you know, they, they're using the class rep program as like a scapegoat thing. Like, like we're the lightning rod, right? That players can blame or will go to when there's issues. I mean, there are definitely times where, you know, are, are uh, you guys taking blame? Like, so when there's imbalance in the game or bugs or things like that, are people actually directing 
negativity towards the class reps like you're not doing your job up, up to about a year ago uh i think a lot a fair amount of people were um and of course it's not how it works like we can't we're not programmers we're not developers we don't work at forzas we, we don't get paid right it's kind of a voluntary thing but i understand the misconception right because like the, the name itself like oh wow you know stmdk is so bad what who's a stmdk rep <laughs> Right. And then no one says anything because it's not how it works. Right. And we try to, uh, well, at least I try to disseminate the information about classrooms a little bit. Um, like, hey, it still exists. Uh, I think Gina even had to clarify on the forums, like, hey, it, you know, we're still having meetings, um, you know, in regards to combat and combat feedback from players. But yeah, I mean, yeah, there were, there was, you know, there were people blaming us for some time for various things. Uh, there, there has to be somebody that is protecting Stam DKs, though. Come on. <laughs> Come on. Who's not letting the stamina whip happen? <laughs> oh, my God. I can talk about that for hours, too. My goodness. Um, yeah, Stone Giant is terrible. Oh, my God. We're, I'm going to make a video about it, too, bro. It's the worst skill in the game. It yeah, really I, is. It's just terrible. Yeah, I, I tried to make it work in a uh, my oh, Hulk man. Smash build too, and it's just so clunky. You know, like it's cool that the first uh, the first initiating hit is an AOE, mm -hmm. that's fine. But then after that, it's a you're chucking a rock, and if they're at range, there's no way to get stamina back if you're right. using a two hander. And so I'm just expending stamina, expending stamina, expending stamina. You know, and so it's not very friendly of of a, a thing yeah yeah i mean the history of that skill was really cursed um but we can talk more about it later uh but i'll finish summarizing class rep thing um so now there's still 10 class reps the same class rep since two years ago it's been two years my goodness I actually just checked the calendar i'm like well it's been two years already uh and what we do now is you know we still forward feedback from players uh if there are you know Things that you know, like exploits, mm -hmm. we have you know, with we have to obviously let you know the devs know, um, bug reports, stuff like, or not bug reports, but like you know, game breaking bugs, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. uh, we talk about with them. We talk about um, you know combat, pretty much. We don't really talk about anything else, just combat, yeah. and maybe a couple other things, but yeah, combat. Um, as to you know and i kind of talked about it like people have theories like is it effective do you guys even do anything or what's going on uh can you say anything uh it's just always a scapegoat program whatever um again the nda makes it hard and it's frustrating for me as a player because and also a content creator because uh in recent like since the time i joined the program you know i and I, I never did it either so i don't know why people think i did it in the past all the time but people people think just because i don't shit on the game constantly that you know just, <laughs> like uh i'm being paid or uh paid off or like uh like i'm on the teat of zoss right he's a mm -hmm. shill yeah, the the shill. Yeah, that's what that's what some people jokingly call me, or seriously call me. Um, and it's not, it, it's frustrating because it's not like that. So, 
as a player outside as a player who was outside the program, I just had no idea about a lot of things. And it's also the human factor. Like when you talk to these, they're not nameless names anymore. They're, you know, they're people, right? When you talk to people, you're like, oh, you're, you're a person too. And uh, with that factor and the fact that I learned a lot about the, you know, the, how, how the game functions and the, complexity of the issues like the biggest example pp lag why haven't they fixed lag? why haven't they added servers or, or new servers to fix lag right um it, it's frustrating for me because i can't relay this information i know or uh, relay the the uh the experience i've had you know because of because of the nda to players to make them understand hey this is what's going on um so that's that's really the only negative thing for me with with the, with the program. But you know, as I say, the show must go on. So I, I kind of stick with it, bear through it. Um, but yeah, it would be lovely if um, a lot of players could understand you know certain things, or even get to talk to the devs. Really, yeah. But that's of course. To... Oh, go on. Sorry. I, I tried to contact Gina just to see if we could set something up like that. Not to. I told her, hey, we're not trying to put this individual on the spot or you if it was her. Um, we'd even provide the questions that we would be asking in advance, you know, so that way you could prepare the best possible answer because some of them might be difficult because of NDAs and things like that. Mm -hmm. But I didn't get a response. <laughs> so oh. uh, <laughs> well, maybe, maybe I'll, I'll forward this video and be like, hey, you know, <laughs> reply to Chris. Yeah. Hi, Dana. Um, how are you? Hi, We'd love to have you on the show. Oh. <laughs> um, but yeah, the NDA. So yeah, it's 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 frustrating for me because it, it's hard for me. Um, and yeah. also, but at the same time, the NDA is good mm -hmm. because I can, I will say this because a lot of things I feel like uh, I kind of referred to it earlier. When the patch notes were leaked by that one class rep who shall not be named <laughs> uh, obviously got kicked <laughs> out of the program broke the NDA um, people flipped out mm -hmm. yeah people people flipped out because of a leak because of leaked uh, patch notes uh, they didn't like the changes you know what I mean it wasn't it wasn't even like completely finished so when the things were discussing um, you know, behind the doors under the NDA, if I, I feel like if some of that, you know, came to light, it's like people would still flip out. <laughs> so I think there's a good reason for it. Um, do you, do you feel like you're making an impact though? When you're, I mean, are you able to say that you feel like there's, there's definitely something there. There's information being exchanged and thoughts being exchanged. Um, and then you see the fruits of those labors. Do you think? Yeah, I, there, there's, yeah, I think there's impact. I wouldn't say it's like, you know, game shattering impact. I'd say it's sort of like soft, is how I would describe it. Plant a um, seed. Because <laughs> we're, we're not, we're, we're not really there to like tell them what to do, right? That's, that's not it. Um, a lot of people think that's what we're there to do, or have, have this misunderstanding that uh, just because we forward the feedback from players. You know, they have to take it. It's up to them if they want to take it or not. Ultimately, as you know, the game's owners or developers. Um, but yeah, I mean, definitely the classroom program I can say has made uh, 
impact over its time and history okay. even before i was in it i think for sure okay that's interesting would it, would it, i was gonna just say would it be too much to ask for like some examples in terms of what you know for the for the two years that that you said is that you've been there would we would it be too much to ask for examples on since you've been there what are some of those improvements that have happened like that the class rep system has had an impact on would that be too much uh i'm not sure <laughs> <laughs> okay uh, I, no. I, I don't want to get you in trouble <laughs> yeah, yeah um i also oh i don't know if i can say that either but even before i was there uh, i'm aware of significant uh changes as well so even before i was there it, it had impact it were, has an impact okay cool cool yeah well yeah that's that's pretty much it for the, the classroom program for anyone you know listening who was interested in the history of it and what it exactly is and you know <laughs> that's pretty much it yeah i know grim and i we've uh i think we mentioned it a few times on the podcast but we're we're always joking but kind of not joking at the same time we'd always like um we'd, we'd like a, a um uh, a direct line to the president yeah and <laughs> and then nephis has that line <laughs> yeah. well, it's not it's not that we need to pick the phone up at all the time with every little thing but you know at least once or twice a year we could say hey here's five things and if there were in fact something that's ultra game breaking that we come across we could we could call and say mr president we have a problem <laughs> <laughs> you know yeah like i said we're kind of basically the messengers so if you have anything like that you can you know let me know anytime or let any of the other class reps know anytime and no they'll... you're our guy you're our guy oh okay <laughs> well i mean there's others but uh they're, they'll forward the feedback or you know let them know about these issues you described that's awesome um so with the class rep program um that's pretty cool you guys are you signed an NDA, you have access to upcoming information. So I have faith that as long as you're happy and you're marching forward with the game, they're making moves behind the scenes that are in the best interests of the PVP community. And so that makes me happy, I guess. Uh, let's see. Uh, um, so let's talk about the community that you created um, through discord and let's talk about your youtube and twitch and all that can you tell tell us where everyone can find you and what you have what what you've been building on discord oh um yeah people can find me on twitch youtube twitter instagram and of course discord in in regards to the discord esou or ESO university it started out as um like my personal server as a content creator, right? As a beginning content creator, had maybe like a few hundred, uh, and at most a thousand at one point people in it. And then I had this idea because at the time, and I think still to this day, but uh, in a less severe degree, at the time, ESO as a community was going through what i would describe as not a very good phase it's kind of an ugly phase um it was kind of a reflection of uh our real reality at the time i think it was about five four years three years ago where everything is so divisive um people 
people like to really label each other a lot. <laughs> I mean, we, we, we do it too, right? To, to a degree, like, oh, he's an endgame reader. Oh, he's an endgame PvP reader. Oh, he's a 1VXer. Or, oh, he's a role player. Or, you know, she, 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 she only likes to, you know, quest, questers. Um, and it, it kind of reached this boiling point every day because I, I immerse myself in this game. I've been playing this game since beta. I've been playing this game for more than seven years at this point. And uh, I've noticed this trend where people just, uh, you know, uh, label each other and in an ironic twist, even the people who don't like the so-called, you know, toxic elitists became toxic, right? And I, I had this idea where, well, why, why, why is it like this? You know, because it perturbed me at the time when I, I got actually uh, got on Twitter because Outcast recommended me, hey, you should get Twitter. <laughs> and I don't know <laughs> if I should re uh, regret it or not, but I got on Twitter and there's all these ESO players and content creators, you know, with the hashtag, I'm, I'm sure you're familiar with it, uh, hashtag ESO fam, you know, there's all these people talking about, oh, you know, ESO has the greatest community, not the least toxic community, or we're the ESO fam, but actions, uh, uh, you know, speak more volumes and words and mm -hmm. if in some of those content careers i would say um sm small or big uh you know we're guilty of labeling people and kind of making these divisions where they where honestly it's silly it's a game you're supposed to have fun and it's not it's not i don't think it should be a reflection of our you know very divisive reality where people kind of tear each other apart for you know differences that ultimately don't matter whether it's, you know, your creed, your race, religion, uh, sexual orientation, even, you know, like stuff like that. Politics. Uh, yep. Right. And now we do it in game over what, who, who's what, like a PVE or are you, oh, what, what, what kind of PVE are you? Oh, you know, are they doing overlay? Oh, what kind of PVE are you? Oh, I'm, I'm a raider. Oh, oh, you're toxic. Oh, oh you suck. Stuff yeah. like that. Right. I mean, we've, we've all used this too, right? Like uh what are they doing like role playing over there like we use you know <laughs> you know the uh the, the existence of role playing or the community of role players as an insult right mm -hmm. and i had a lot i had a lot of issues with this and i was like okay well here's the idea why don't i make this a more of a community server where we can demonstrate that this idea or this notion that um primarily end game players are not toxic in fact this whole conception, this whole concept of us or perception of us being toxic is more based on the toxic people you meet along the way to endgame rather than the people at endgame. Um, and it's the same case for P. I'm also talking about this for PvP too, because uh, a lot of people tend to think, especially you know, PvEers who go to Serial during mid-year, that all PvEers are toxic. And that's not the case. I mean, I, all the endgame PvPers I've met, they're so helpful. <laughs> they teach you how to duel. They teach you uh, how, you know, they even give you their builds that they keep to themselves. I mean, uh, to an extent, I think endgame PvPers are almost nicer than endgame PvPers, but don't don't tell them I said that. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I, I just want to demonstrate that, hey, you know, we're not evil. We're not bad. Uh, we want to... We want to share everything with you. We want to share this knowledge because, you know, Discord was a game changer uh, for ESO. It really has been yeah. um, because before Discord, everybody was on their own TeamSpeak servers. <laughs>
uh, we were divided not by category, but we were divided by like platform and server. I would have never thought in 2015, 16, to talk to a player from PCEU or a console player or talk to other content creators from different, you know, servers or platforms or, you know, even anyone really that outside of my own, you know, group of friends or, you know, little community of guilds, right? And Discord changed a lot. I think people kind of have forgotten or underestimated that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's Discord, ESOU to basically just teach people, share knowledge. There's nothing we're holding back, uh, whether you're interested in PEPing or you want to get into rating, not, nothing is, you know, being held back. Like we don't uh, gate it behind, uh, you know, oh, you got to pay us gold or money for us to teach you or just give you advice. We don't really gate it behind, uh, you know, silly divisions like, oh, you have to be a PEP for me to, you know, give you tips about PEP, stuff like that. And that's really the essence of it. And as a community, it, it's definitely gr grown astronomically uh, because we help players from every everywhere. You know, Xbox, PlayStation, PC. Um, we we expanded our you know list of professors, and professors are basically these endgame players or players who have a lot of experience and time in their own respective you know specialties or fields, like whether it's PV or fashion. Or even, you know, in the case of J Hart Ellis, uh, you know, like eco economy, in-game economy. So we've expanded from PVE to PEP, and then from that point on, we, you know, started teaching about leadership. There's a channel called Leadership in there about guild management, community management, um, how to organize raids, what do you do when someone, you know, is acting up in your group, economy, and we eventually brought in uh, more add-on developers, uh, you know. These are also, uh, this is also a segment of the community that never gets attention. Like, where do our add-ons come from? And people just kind of take it for granted. Like, mm -hmm. you know, they just kind of download it from Minion or ESOUI.com. They're like, okay, here's my add-on. Here's my mini map. But they don't really think about the, you know, the people who make these add-ons because they're also players themselves. And I brought in these add-on developers. We made an add-ons channel where, you know, we offered to give tips or teach people how to make add-ons, right? And we even brought in, uh, after that, we brought in more add-on developers and we made our own category for, you know, requesting add-ons, uh, forwarding bugs for add-ons. And then uh, after that, I think we made the class reps category where you could forward feedback to the devs. It, it, yeah, but yeah, it's become a pretty big server. And it's also where I organized the uh, Ray Lead program now on both Xbox and uh pc where i basically try to teach people how to raid lead because i think that's probably the the um the, the penultimate i guess representation of esou we're teaching you how to fish for yourself really although yeah that, yeah that, that's pretty much it <laughs> but yeah that's esou and uh people anyone can join doesn't matter um and it's gone from a thousand members in the past year to 14,600 members now we're approaching the 15,000 marks and pretty exciting uh wow. we're also yeah we're also uh you know uh, for the past week and a half i've been staying awake from about noon until 8 a.m the next morning working on the esou uh the second version of the esou website where we have these build pages and everything um that make it easier for people to share builds or you know stuff like that 
basically lays the foundations for kind of a UESP kind of thing, hopefully in the far future. And um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of work in there. <laughs> and, you know, people are free to come and go as they please. We'll have a link to that in the descriptions for anyone that's interested because it sounds wonderful. Like it covers every aspect of the game and tries to um, do it in a non-toxic fashion. That the you are having a when we're talking about toxicity, everybody needs to understand what that is. It's it's not just people in the game talking. We're talking about um, an age range of people in the world that have been cooped up for the last year or two and their social um they they just don't understand how to so properly socialize with other people or they don't care and they think that they can talk to another person online because there's no repercussions any way they want and so the best she can do in those situations with the toxic people is trying to educate them as best she can. And at some point you just got to cut the cord and get away from them. So, and uh, as you find those super toxic people in the game, you just need to block them. Make, you, make use of your blocking, um, make use of that in the game and just don't associate, don't be around, don't talk to those people. And um Eventually, they'll find that they're swimming in a much smaller pool because nobody likes to be around them, you know. And, uh, you know, ooh, they're so cool. They killed 20 people or they killed 50 people, and, <laughs> you know, but nobody likes to be around them because they're right. just ultra toxic. They never have anything good to say, uh, positive to say. And so that's an extreme uphill battle. And if you're trying to um, control an environment, and you have got 14,000 people and it's a helpful environment, you're winning. You're winning. 14,000 people and limited toxicity and all help, that's a great home. So uh, high-fiving you in the air right now. So Thanks, Thanks for that. Um, been... yeah, go on. Tell us about Twitch. Oh, uh, Twitch. Um... So I started seriously making content two years ago. Uh, and, you know, there's a lot of moving pieces in regards to that. You know, life, my plans, stuff like that. Uh, engagement, <laughs> which didn't work out. But, uh, you know, I, I, I was like... So we, we actually kind of touched on toxicity a little bit here. And I'm not denying, I, I used to be toxic before... Uh, you know, like the first year of ESO or like I came from a very different environment compared to ESO. I came from like MOBAs, mm -hmm. like uh, I think uh, Icy said, uh, League of Legends. He used to play League of Legends. But for me, it was Dota and I was seeking some sort of like permanence, like, like, a, like, like a home kind of like, like where I can just you know, settle down. Um, and, you know, I, you know, it's it's been a man. It's been a long journey. I, I kind of think I changed as a person. Maybe I'm not. I don't know. I ask myself every day. Do do I am, am I good? Am I like a good good enough person? And I think the answer is pretty much no every day. <laughs> uh, hey, <laughs> I, you know, there's uh, nothing wrong with raising the bar. Raise the bar every day. There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah. Uh, leading up to content creating two years ago, uh, I didn't really make videos uh, for 
you know, the general audience, right? Like I try to do now, like I'm starting to do, to do now. I just made videos for my guildies, really. It started like that. Like, how how do you parse Dirty Can the Blood Spawn? I don't know if you remember parsing on the or uh, on the Blood Spawn uh, Gargoyle in Spindle Clutch. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it started out like that. And uh, I moved away from PEP after a series of unfortunate events. You know, you know a good friend died. And he was a and he wanted to get into raiding, so I was like, you know, in the end, um, I so that's that's part of the reason why I got into raiding. Uh, and then it, for for a while after that, I just did end game raiding, score pushing, um, and I started making more videos about that and sharing, you know, what I do during those raids with people. And then. Uh, I kind of, at a certain point, I ended up re-leading my own team, and that kind of fell to pieces because uh, one of my raiders uh, died. Like, you know, not not in the raid, but <laughs> in real life. Uh, and it, it, you know, it, it was like a, it it wasn't a very good one. It was it was a suicide, and. It made me because, and you know, as a raid lead, it's like it kind of made me think to myself, like, like what you know, what kind of person are you if this person doesn't, you know, even approach you about these kind of, and you know, it, it really destroyed uh, my just just my pers just my entire persona at the time, really. So I stopped raid leading. I stopped kind of seriously raiding um, for 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 a long while. And then I watched this video, actually, uh, Deltia, he was quitting you, so, and I was like, oh man, how much worse can it get? Deltia's quitting you, so, but in that, in that video, he said something, and it stuck with me. He said, you know, if you want to try, you know, creating content, just try it for a year. And I was like, oh, okay, well, I'll try it for a year. And I tried it for a year, and, uh, you know, YouTube grew from, like, Maybe a thousand subs to ten thousand, fifteen thousand, uh, and I was like, "Oh, I can maybe maybe pull this off. I can maybe pull this off." And then I went to Twitch, uh, and it took me about almost a year. And you know, I got Twitch partner, um, and then yeah, that's basically where my streaming took off. After I got Twitch partner, I started doing more and more ESO. I started teaching on streams. I started streaming more raids. I started streaming PEP. I got to meet a lot of cool people that way. Uh, I got, I somehow, I don't know why they let me in. I somehow got into the uh, ESO stream team. <laughs> and uh, from, from it's, just, it's been kind of snowballing since then, you know, um, getting hosted by Bethesda three times. I mean, it's pretty cool. And now I'm doing the World Plays ESO event on the 22nd showcasing you know guilds in ESO and that's uh it feels like it's kind of like a it's come back in a circle in a good way so that's that's that's, that's the origin of my twitch and why I became it or how I became a content creator uh that's yeah hey I'd like to put you in contact with a friend of ours he's another content creator named uh Fragman Saul and 
Fragman would like to do the same way Twitch is supported by ESO. Frag would like to get the same type of support on the uh, YouTube side of things. And so he's putting a list together of content creators that stream on YouTube exclusively. And he himself does that. And maybe you can help with that process. Um, but I want to get you guys in contact with each other. He's super, super nice. Very cool guy. So Yeah, I think I watched a bit of the podcast you did with him, I think, uh, last week. Yeah. 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 Yeah, he's been fun to run around with. Yeah. Um, so Twitch versus YouTube, things like that. Um, obviously the interaction over on Twitch and the support, it makes sense to stream over there. And then you use your YouTube to kind of grow your um Twitch awareness because when you're not streaming over on Twitch, you kind of fall off, right? Of relevancy, right? It's Whereas YouTube, anybody can find you 24-7 over here. Um, it's just you don't get the um, all the cool bells and whistles on YouTube that you do on Twitch. So, Yeah, um, it, it's, it's a hard balance for sure, right? Yeah. Uh, between streaming on Twitch and making videos for YouTube, and then on top of that, a website and a Discord to manage. Uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's a lot. Do you do yeah. everything yourself for the most part, or do you have a team? Uh, the website development is led by Anton Sean. Uh, he approached me with his uh, like idea for the website, and we've been pretty much kind of been working together ever since. Uh, and that's pretty much it. He's he's pretty much the only person left at this point uh, developing the website. It's that's why part that's part of why it's been a, a slow snail pace. But we're really excited to finally. Uh, bring the next update to the website. Uh, in terms of content, yeah, I pretty much do everything from video editing. I've started to like uh, ask people to send me their, you know, if, if they want to share like their builds and I'll post them on YouTube. Um, I haven't posted any of these yet because I'm, you know, planning to do like completely like reworked me like for the YouTube channel and also for the website. So those two will work together. For thumbnails, I you know ask a friend of mine to do it. Um, and of course, there's some monetary compensation for some of all this. <laughs> and yeah, that's. But yeah, for the video editing and everything else, yeah, I pretty much handle everything by myself. Nice, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. There's a little bit work, a, a little bit of work required, right? Like I see just released a video and it was really well done, a step up in production for him and the amount of work that goes into just doing the one video, let alone the balancing act that you're doing. You're you're juggling multiple things. So it's interesting. Yeah. How yeah. can oh go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say, I know for me personally, like when I do the build videos. I I guess I I kind of got the idea from Kev doing it during the with the podcast with him how you know you know scripting out the whole video from the beginning to the end you know it really I I kind of like I there obviously there's a the whole editing aspect to it as well but I also like the scripting part of it so you can really fine tune everything that you're gonna say and it really makes it it cuts down on the editing a lot because I don't have to um. I guess make unnecessary cuts that that would I otherwise would have 
because right. everything else is all part of the plan and flows perfectly. And then now it's just tailoring the images and overlays to support, uh, you know, to give like a visual representation to what I'm saying. Mm. Yeah. Uh, in regards, to, in regards to build videos, that the new ones I'll be doing from now on. Every, you know, I, I'm planning to do a build video for everything, like PP uh, classes, PVE, Overland, Solo. Dungeon builds, trial DPS, everything. <laughs> so a lot of work, and uh, you know, I looked at the trend of ESO content for at least YouTube videos, and I feel like for sure these days people have very short attention spans or won't stick through the traditional, like the old style of ESO videos where you know I talk for fifty minutes straight about, hey, these are my stats. Let me explain it. Here, this is my consumables. Let me explain my thoughts on that. You know, stuff like that. And I think my new, my new video format is basically me just giving the basics and linking, like the web page guide in the description below for like anyone actually interested in the nitty gritty details, and the rest of the video is gameplay, and that saved me a lot of time as well, um, for sure, because I, I don't like to that. talk as much. Yeah, I might have to do something like that too. Although the coach in me, I, I hate, I always will do a build video and then I'll get somebody that says in the comments, skip forward to two minutes if you want the build or whatever. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. that'll, that'll be the very first person that leaves a comment, this build sucks or doesn't work. Well, guess what, my guy, it sucks or doesn't work. That's because you didn't listen to the how or why, you know. Mm how to use the build or what the purpose of the build is or why you what the rotation is you know uh, yeah and that's the that's the thing about it they instant gratification that's the day and age we live in everyone yep. wants instant gratification and a lot of people mm -hmm. toxicity level side they feel like they can talk to people however they want and there's no repercussions so right um but i don't know i'm a little torn between that i think i'll probably stay with my current format and i'll just time stamp it and if you don't mm -hmm. like the, the descriptions or whatever i don't care <laughs> yep. you know oh man youtube comments are the worst um, <laughs> they, yeah, they really yeah. are and you know that's that's another reason why i've been you know posting a meme every day maybe people are just unhappy <laughs> maybe, you know maybe, just make them laugh maybe who knows but yeah i love yeah. that too it's talking about your memes uh we were talking off air about this too nothing you know it was with your position and stuff like that. And some of these memes are bullseyes, 100% bullseyes. <laughs> and I see yeah. this and I laugh so hard because I'm like, yes, that right there. And I asked you, do you ever get an email or a text <laughs> or something that says, hey, could you kind of cool it a little bit on the memes? You know, <laughs> and and you answered, no <laughs> i never get that you know so not not yet anyways right so yeah well i think i think there's a difference between memeing and absolutely you know uh taking like, a dump on something right yeah like negative criticism that type yes of thing. yes yes yeah for me we, we've had a couple people before we want to try and keep this lighthearted and stuff like that and it's hard to keep things lighthearted when you're talking about like if the current state of the game or performance or whatever it is that you're talking about is negative, right? Mm -hmm. It's not a positive situation. And so it's how do you stay 
in a positive mindset while talking about something that is very annoying, you know, or very negative. And so that's a tough balancing act for sure. But I think everybody needs to know that we're coming from a place of caring and loving. Like we honestly love oh, yeah. this. We love this game. Yeah. We want it to work properly. And that's why we want to talk about, have all those hard conversations and talk about all those difficult um topics is because we do love the game so much and it we we just want them resolved so but i I love the meme game you've got the strongest meme game in esl <laughs> well uh, yeah i just basically people actually just send me their memes the memes they find i guess uh sometimes i find them and sometimes i make them i think one in every six or five i, I make a meme um i just kind of think about what's relevant or rather like what what would if i can if i see a meme and i like vibe with it or you know it's relevant to me i hope it's relevant to the people watching or people seeing the memes as well yeah you're hitting a home run especially you know that when other content creators are <laughs> laughing and they're saying 100 like you just hit a home run here so yeah dude i did a um uh, a Hitler reacts to one of my friends because she hate she refuses to play Magicka and she only plays Stamsork. So I did a re um, a Hitler reacts to that, and you know it it was funny for all of us in the group and like our small little circle. But um, yeah, maybe I'll send it to you. And maybe you'll get a laugh because you know the the, okay. the the concepts are still there and everything. So uh, yeah, it was it was pretty good. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty funny um how, so we're we only have about four minutes left how can everyone find you and these will be linked in the descriptions below um but how can everybody find you and what's the best thing that they could do to help you out oh uh they they can find me as i said before on twitter uh if you want to follow on twitter go for it and i do a lot of giveaways on twitter if you're interested in like eso like a pink torch bug or you know uh, Blackwood codes or whatever. Instagram, I just kind of started up. That's not really that's not really a big deal. Uh, ESO U com. That's gonna be the website for Twitch, NefisQS for YouTube. Uh, you know NefisQS, and if you want to subscribe, that's great. If if not, it's okay. <laughs> that's yeah, I think it. everybody should go over. I mean, almost everybody in this game should be looking for a non toxic environment where they can ask the questions even if they think they're dumb questions somebody has an answer right i don't think there's really such a thing here's your you've heard this before but there's no such thing as a dumb question just dumb answers so mm. yeah so if they can come to a place where it's non-judgmental zone and ask any of the questions about anything in the game and get an answer for it that's where you need to be so you yeah I'm high-fiving you. Thank you for the high-five. I appreciate you. Fight the good fight. What do you got, Icy? So my buddy Jay, he before we do the closeout, he messaged me during the recording here to just give me a little synop or a summary for the Palinol uh, lore that I was talking <sighs> about earlier. So I'll just read what he said. Palenial White Strike was a champion of Alessia and was gifted weapons and armor by the Eight Divines. During the Alessian Rebellion, he developed homicidal tendency, tendencies, 
tendencies and killed pretty much every alien he saw and pretty much took the white gold tower from the aliens single-handedly his massacre happened during the middle of the year so mid-year mayhem is a reference to Polenial's madness and one of his homicidal episodes took place in sunspire and alakash himself had to stop it the time wound navantas is trying to open is the time wound left by left behind by Alkash when he stopped the one-man God-blessed killing machine. And, of course, if you were an elf and you saw this man, you were dead. So, uh, yeah, fun fact. Uh, Mid-Year Mayhem is a reference to Polenial Whitestrake himself. Boom. And, Knowledge oh, bomb dropped. Yeah, so uh, we'll let everybody sleep on that. And with that said, we'll catch you guys on the next one. See ya. Bye. See ya. You're going to say bye-bye, Argonians. Bye-bye, Ragonian.